All right, welcome in, everybody. Game day preview. Myself, Brad Ward, all eyes on Cleveland, OBR Film Breakdown. You guys know the routine by now. Brad, I welcome you in. What's up, buddy? What's up, Jake? Uh, big game here. Massive game, both sides. A uh, lot to gain, a lot to be lost here in this one for both teams. Yeah, really, really tight game for both sides. Jags trying to hang on to that AFC South lead. Browns trying to up their chances in the wild card and really keep themselves alive. In, in their own division because there's an opportunity here to win some games over the next five contests, right? And then obviously opportunity here to uh, to take over a, a Raven situation if things don't go their way down the stretch. So just so much. This is, I mean, we talk about all the time how important some of these games are and we do get a little ahead of ourselves, but as far as a non like final three weeks of the season type of game, this is the contest that could swing the pendulum of how the rest of the season goes because it sets you up so well in the AFC because ultimately the Jags could be a wild card team themselves that you have to beat out, which I know we've said this week, but it makes it really important injury news that we should cover and really just transactional news as well. Before we start Joe Flacco elevated, that's a formality. They also brought back Cam Mitchell uh, from the IR. And in order to do that waived PJ Walker, which I imagine Walker will come back to the practice squad in Cleveland because that gives him some semi chance to find the field, right? Uh, in Mm -hmm. some capacity as a backup in certain situations. But uh, DTR obviously cleared. It feels like Flacco is going to start. I think we've all been sort of hinted at that direction, right? So Flacco gets to start DTR there to to formally back up in some capacity. We haven't heard totally that that is the the direction they're going, but that is what we are led to believe at this point. Other news on the good side of things, Amari Cooper has cleared concussion protocol, which is pretty miraculous given – what has gone on with the concussion stuff recently. We have seen an uptick of guys clearing it in a week's time, but you know, on the opposite side of that pendulum, we saw TJ Watt take a shot to the jaw, stay in the game in that really ugly Thursday night contest where he's back out on the field in a dark visor. He comes back into the game, but then that reports on Friday with concussion symptoms and like just a really strange run of events there. So I was pretty surprised to see, Cooper getting out of concussion protocol in under a week. Nonetheless, if he's good to go, he's healthy, he's a great addition because Tyson Campbell and some of the Jaguars' secondary is going to be out in this one, so that's an opportunity to take advantage of. On the flip side, though, Brad, we have to talk about Dewan Jones, who's also going to be out, had a knee tweak this week. That is a pretty significant injury that we weren't expecting to be dealing with in this week of practice leading up to this game. So James Hudson will get the start. I guess I'm looking for your reaction to all of that. The big things being Amari's playing, the big thing being Dewan Jones is out, and it looks like the the Jags also added Nathan Rourke to their active roster, which puts them squarely up to three quarterbacks, right? So they're, they're at three guys and have a, a fallback in case Trevor game-time decision uh, can't go in this one, which I still I still don't really think he's going to play, but, but we'll see uh, how it comes down to the wire. Yeah, uh, I don't have a very good. I'll take your word on that. I don't really have a good feel about what they're gonna do, right? Um, I've kind of gotten heard mixed things from that side of of, of the uh, um, reporting, right? You know, he was out there. He looked very immobile the first few days or the first day he was out there. But then I heard that he was throwing with. The ones with Bethard throwing uh, uh, on the side to the practice squad guys, and that made me think differently, but I don't know. It seems like a stretch, right, from what the way we saw him leave the field. Uh, I just kind of have that um, 
burned in my retinas him writhing in pain as he leaves the field so uh yeah i i feel like that'd be kind of a long shot the dewan jones thing is probably the most critical for me right uh you know hudson uh gonna have to step in and play well you're gonna have to help there uh and that changes a lot of what you want to do where you know dewan is playing at a level where you don't always have to do that he, he seems to be able to hold down his side pretty well so that changes the game plan a little bit i'm sure Amari Cooper coming back, I feel like that's great news, but you want to be cautious with a guy like that as well. Uh, with the two, you know, you can't have two head injuries. And, you know, I, I kind of, it kind of scares me a little bit that they play a guy a week after uh, a concussion, right? It's a little uh, dicey, I think. But sure, it, it absolutely helps. Uh, and we can take, we'll take anything we can get at this point. And it's good to get Mitchell back as well, because as we saw, uh, the depth at corner, um, not uh, not great in the past few weeks here. So that's a good good thing as well. Yeah, getting Ward and Mitchell back is a big help. I mean, obviously, you know, the Jags down a corner. The Browns are – this is one of the few times where I felt like the Browns injury situation kind of equal to another team in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I still think it would be – now, I don't know how Trevor feels. Maybe he's feeling miraculously better, but I just still think it's so crazy – to have him out on the field in Cleveland, a little bit of rain predicted for this game to, yeah. to put themselves in a position where he could get hurt worse and your whole season's down the drain. I just still think if I were a Jags fan, I know their, their people are feeling confident. I know they think they need this game, which I understand that sentiment totally. I just, man, I don't know, just wouldn't, wouldn't love that decision uh, against the Browns pass rush and some of that stuff as well. So, uh, all right, we'll move on. Let's let's do our usual game day hits. We'll start with um, uh, coverage for this one. It's 1 o'clock, and it's going to be on in most of the country, I believe, Brad. Yeah, so if you've seen the coverage map, uh, I'll go post it tonight uh, on my timeline at Word on Sports uh, if you want to look at it. it's Yeah, I mean, it is almost the entire country for this game. I mean, this is uh, everywhere, right? So I think it's the red on the map you'll see, but it's CBS, and... And for the Browns, I, I think that's a good thing. I, you know, get back to CBS. That's where they've had some success. If you're superstitious in any kind of way, you didn't like those Fox broadcasts, it brought us nothing but bad luck. Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, Evan Washburn on the sidelines. All right, weather. So we have, uh, it was really ugly early in the week, but I think it shifted some. It's going to be decent. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, everybody was kind of a, it, as you just mentioned, uh, expecting a lot of rain, heavy winds, cold, and the rain is hitting now. So the rain is is come earlier than expected, and they expect it to be dry. Well, not, I wouldn't call it dry. It's going to rain a lot of the morning and overnight, but it's not going. To, it's not supposed to rain during the game, right? And it's uh, going to be about forty degrees. It's going to feel like thirty up there on the lake. Uh, you're talking 10 to 12 mile per hour winds with gusts up to 20. At one point, it was gusts up to 35, Jake. So that's a big difference than what originally was going to be like almost unplayable, uh, you know, just a slop fest. It, I don't think that's what we're going to get. Okay, good to hear. I mean, for the most part, maybe this is one that they needed the weather to tilt a little deeper. Yeah, I don't know which is that's good or bad, right? Yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. So CBS, you get all those angles, you get the weather getting a little bit better. could still be a little ugly. But uh, the field, hopefully, they the you know have it in a situation. They haven't been at home and haven't played on it in multiple weeks here. I, I don't know the exact date of when the last home game was, but you're probably looking at the middle of middle to early part of November. So you know it's in decent shape and is ready to probably be torn up a little bit, and they'll it'll get torn up a little bit in this one. So Jags 
Browns all time. I think the last time these two got together back in 2020, I believe the Browns went down to Jacksonville. Am I right on that, Brad? You are correct. 27-25 victor. Victory. Okay, and that was, I'm pretty sure Gardner Minshew led Jags team. or and Maybe not Gardner Minshew. I think it might have been, uh, um, oh man, what was the uh, long neck? Mike Glennon might have played in that one. I don't know if you have long neck. in front of you. Yes. But uh, I think Mike Glennon played in that one. I can't remember. This, that, that, the old Jaguars, um, Brown, the, the, that old team there, they, they went through a weird transition back when, uh, when, when, before they got, before they got Lawrence. Uh, yes. A little bit of a weird, I can't, like a run of quarterbacks. It, it, it got strange. Yeah. yeah. Mike Glennon went 20 for 35 in that game, 235. He actually played, actually played pretty well as the Jags made it close late. I believe they had a, a late touchdown on a long drive to make it 27 25, and the Browns had to recover an onside kick and pick up a first down, something like that. Yep. That adds up. Okay. Well, now we know that. What is the all time uh, actual ledger there between the two sides? Uh, 12 and six leading towards the Jags, Jaguars, and, uh, they've won three of four as well, Jake. That's great recall on long neck though. I'm, I gotta say that's, that's I don't, yeah. Call. Cause I don't remember him playing many games in the last three years, but I remember him having to start that game for some reason. So there we go. All right. We got to the bottom of it. Um, I guess we should hit on our, uh, gambling angle as well. I think that's all we have left to hit before we uh, talk about how the Browns get it done. Right. Uh, let me hit refs real quick. You want to hit yeah, Ray? Do that. Ray, right. uh, Ray Torbert uh, is his name. We already had him once week two against the... Uh, is that right? Let me make sure I got there. I'm pretty sure he did the Steelers game week two. Yep. Uh, yeah, this, right. this year. So, yes. And Ray's uh, trends. He also... All these guys seem to favor home field advantage somehow. Um, but uh, him being 36 and 18. Nope. That's not right. Uh, sorry, uh, thirty six and eighteen to the under. So he's an under guy uh, if you're a betting person. But uh, sixty eight and forty nine uh, home team is sixty eight and forty nine since two thousand sixteen. Jake, so that's good news for the Browns. Uh, he has changed his style. They said uh, if you dive deep on this, uh, from calling a lot of penalties to kind of a let him play guy as well as just like the guy last week. Uh, and uh, his style of officiating, uh, like I said, lends itself to unders hitting. Um, he's kind of let more things go, especially while his colleagues have prioritized like disciplinary penalties. Uh, Torbert is uh, taking a different approach um, and only been in the top five for unnecessary roughness calls three times in his nine-year career and once for unsportsmanlike conduct in his entire nine-year career. So not one to throw the flag for that kind of stuff, uh, wants to let him play. He did call the week two loss at Pittsburgh 26-22. No games last year with him. Week three home versus Chicago in 21, two games in 20, including the week one thumping at Baltimore 38 to six. In 2019, he did a home game uh, where the Browns beat the Bills 1916. All right, good stuff. Uh, listen, it looks like they're going to let him play, which I think is always something that we prefer over the contrary. And then yes. there's at least a tilt toward the home side, so you feel. You feel decent about that, too. All right, let's make the folks some money, Brad. What are you thinking this week? All right, let's do it. So the uh, uh, this line has been obviously started, uh, you know, in the Jaguars, uh, you know, laying three, and then the Browns are now laying three and a half, which if you were a person, to your point, 
Jake, I think if the Vegas thought he was going to play, he being Lawrence, this number would have moved back, right? Because yeah, that that's the always the indicator, man. I, the I, I think in, that they they're they're definitely telling us they don't think he's going to play. Right. Yeah. The initial number was minus three Jacksonville, and it hasn't come back. It stayed over on this side. So yeah, minus three and a half Browns. I think you can find it some places at three depending on which side of that number you want to be on. So just FYI, over and under has gone up with the weather change from uh, about 30 to 33 and a half now is where we sit right now. All right, let's dive into the parlay, okay? Let's, we're going back to old steady here with uh, Ford, 17 and a half uh, receiving yards. He gets a lot of receiving opportunities. Flacco will swing that thing out to the flat. Yep. And then they'll do a screen or two his direction. So, yeah, big big, uh, big believer that one's a good play. I'm doubling up on Ford. I'm going his rushing yards, too, at 49 and a half uh, this week. Um, I, I think that the Browns can find some run success against this defense. They're going to try like hell. So I, I think that that's a good call to play that one, too. Uh, Elijah Moore, we called the connection last week. Uh, with Flacco going right back to that number of 39.5 receiving yards seems awfully low. Yep, yep, that does seem pretty low. Um, Here's a new one. He'll get a lot of of targets. I like that. Good play. What do you got next? Okay, got two more to get us to five and 14, plus 1,400. That's kind of the recipe, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This is a new one, though. No kicking props available uh, at least tonight in the same game parlay available on DraftKings. So uh, what do you think of Harrison Bryant over a half a catch? Oh, God. I mean, yeah, he was targeted a lot last year. They'll still do a lot of the same game plan stuff, in my opinion, Brad. So that's a great take. If they, they just have him at a half a catch, yeah, he will get one catch. That's what I figured as well. I saw I that. I don't have a doubt about that one. Kind of surprised. And then I'm going to take the alt total on Njoku and water it down to 25 yards receiving. Yep, I love it. 25 is a good number. It's safe. If, I mean, I feel like I don't have his date up in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he's been at 25 most of the yes. stretch run of this season for sure. That gets you to plus 1,400. You play your bonus or your uh, whatever. It'll get you up close to uh, 20 to 1 odds. So $10 wins you at least 15 at least uh, 150 you can probably get 200 out of it if you use your boost somewhere um couple first time touchdowns if you want to sprinkle on that I, you know you're always interested in these Jake I am. said Tillman 22 to 1 uh, Harrison, uh, I would like that to be a little hot what's Harrison Bryant's 30 to 1 that's the one I like more yeah I do too that goal line little play action yep. stuff they love to find him on yeah that's the one i feel most comfortable i would love to see tillman get in the end zone though i'll tell you that much yeah agreed but flacco seemed to he kind of seemed to have an eye for bryant last week a little bit so a little bit a little bit yeah it's, it's possible right i don't i don't think it's uh it's it's something i don't think that tillman is the guy to find it i think it'd probably be more that i put on wide receiver this week sure but yeah i like i like bryant more in that scenario you can get more first time 14 to 1 yeah, so. if you want to slap a couple bucks on a wide receiver, I think that's that to me is the safer route to go. Yeah. Sounds good, brother. All right, good stuff. Make some money. Put a parlay in. FanDuel, DraftKings, whatever you want to use. I kind of like Hard Rock Sportsbook, Brad. It's a pretty good one. They don't let you get as Ooh. customized, but I think they do a pretty good job. They give you some boost, too. So plenty of ways to take advantage and make some money. Brad's been hitting on these more, more often than not. So 
Uh, listen, we're going to take our usual break. All right, Brad, talk to me, man. What do you think's got to happen? How are they getting this done? We've had two straight weeks here of our guys not following the formula. No. Nope. And it's, it's been resulting in some losses. I imagine we're going to say a lot of the same things, but I want to hear how you think they get this. It's so hard because of Lawrence's situation, but yeah, talk, talk to me about what you think has to happen. Yeah, so, you know, both guys that I interviewed from Jacksonville said the same thing. Um, they said the kryptonite for Jacksonville all year has been teams that have established the run against them, have beat them up, and B, uh, their defense has lived and died on turnovers, right? Their turnovers have covered up a lot of their issues on defense. Although their defense has been better than they thought it would be, their turnover... So, I mean, that leads us right back to what we talk about literally every week, Jake, right? I mean, they really need to find a way to find some ground success here. I would hate to see Joe throw it 44 times again in this one, especially with the conditions. Uh, that seems... That seems like a lot of passes, uh, but maybe he, maybe they have to again. But you got to think they that the way that Cincinnati was able to bully the Jags in the middle portion of the offensive line, um, you know, I would think that the Browns would be able to do the same thing, out physical them up front, and at least be able to run the ball some, establish that run game. I would like to see a rather, while you want Flacco to throw it around and get you the yardage and stuff, a conservative game plan. I think you can score points without putting the ball in harm's way a whole ton in this one. And then try to try to, I mean, you got air at home, you got to lean on your defense, um, especially if there's no Lawrence. Uh, and if there is, he's not going to be mobile. So, you know, their run game has been kind of stagnant. Uh, they've not been able to get it going between the tackles. So if Browns shut that down early, make them one-dimensional, third and pass, create pressure, create havoc, that's your recipe to a win. Yeah, so I talked about this a little bit early in the week, but Trevor Lawrence is like third, second or third in the NFL in scramble percentage. So, you know, if that element of his game is not in play, that changes the dynamics for them a lot. Now, he does get the football out. But yeah. it's a situation with him where he's either getting the football out, and if he doesn't get the football out, he's scrambling. He's not a sit-in-and-read guy. So if you say, can we take away his first read, and then upon taking away that first read, you know, be able to keep him bracketed because he can't run the way he needs to run, then they have a pretty good chance here. Yeah. right? He will throw into chaos. He's not you know, immune to making those decisions. So I think what's important to me to understand is the last two weeks. How have the last two quarterbacks given them fits? Well, the Rams ran a very unique, heavy motion-style offense that created a lot of quick-throw opportunities for Stafford, and he got it out fast, right? Yeah. When you look at Denver, you know you saw Russell Wilson able to create opportunities to sort of work backward, almost backward vertically in the pocket to give time for guys like Sutton to get downfield. Yep. So that's a difference. And I don't think Lawrence is going to be able to do those things is at least at the level that we've seen the last two teams do it on top of the lack of the ability to manipulate the snap count. Right. Yep. So because obviously it's in Cleveland, 
I think a lot of those auxiliary things lean in the Browns' way for how the defense finds a way to get back on track here because you can control and manipulate some of those things. And I'm not so worried about quarterback, not that there's a lack of respect for what you know they present, what they bring to the table. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, when he's right, is obviously an extremely good quarterback and a very challenging quarterback. But him beat up based on the style by which he plays is cause for some concern, right? Yeah. Just generally how the Browns play at home, how they're able to create the chaos that they need to create, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that's important to understand. I think, again, looking at the flip side of it, to me, if they don't stop the run, then that creates a whole slew of other issues. So it's wildly important, in my opinion, to eliminate the gas runs that we saw at times. The The, the plan for Denver was gap heavy. The plan for the Rams was, was perimeter approach. They have to solve early what they want to do with getting Etienne the ball, and they have to figure out a way to stop it. Because if they don't, it's going to be a long day because you can allow Lawrence to have some setup play action stuff that he can then thrive from. If you make him throw or make him move, I think they have a decent chance down Christian Kirk to make this a really difficult challenge. So I'm confident in the ability of the defense to get back on track, but I think we'll know early in the game whether the run stuff is going to be a headache because they can't let it be a headache. They need to put the game, the entire weight of the game, on Lawrence's shoulders or Bethard's shoulders or whoever's going to be in at quarterback. If O'Rourke gets in there, you know, you're going to have to do like that's the way it has to be. Yeah. Now Lawrence is still better than than Bethard and Rourke, even if he's 50% of himself. But the weight, the answer, the movement of the football for that offense cannot be on anyone's shoulders other than the quarterback that plays in this game. Okay. That's that side of the ball. The other side of the ball, just do enough. Like the theory for the offense has been just do enough. You talked about it. They need to run it well. I would agree. They cannot afford to have like a, a real rough lapse and run production. They were better in the second half last week, but the first half was atrocious, and they're putting themselves behind the chains all the time, and it was hindering opportunities to make drives happen. Yeah. So what does it take, Brad? Well, it takes actually holding on to the football and winning the turnover margin. They have to do it. They have to do it. They cannot expect to overcome that turnover margin against good teams remaining on the schedule. And even the bad teams, they're not explosive enough on offense to create enough points, right? Yeah. Take care of it, sustain some drives, and it's okay to let your kicker kick some field goals through the uprights, man. Like, just make drives happen. They don't have to result in a ton of touchdowns. But, man, three field goals, Brad, and a touchdown, 16 points, a 16-13 win feels like what it's going to take. Yep. Amari has to be better. He's been bad the last two weeks. They need him to be better, right? That's the guy that has to step in, step up. He's not been himself. He needs to play. They need him to play well. And they're going to obviously need James Hudson to step in and play well and Gron Christian. Those ta tackles are going to be challenged more this week than last week. So if you get, again, three field goals and a touchdown, can you hold the Jags to 13 points in this slop fest? That's the goal. That's what they like have to, to think do. so. Yeah. That's what they have to do, man. So 17-14, 16-13 is my general angle for what it's going to take to get this thing done, Brad. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's very attainable. It's a very winnable game. Uh, but the pressure's on both sides to figure out a way to get it done. And I think you're going to see two coaches that go a little 
uh, into their bag to try to create explosives, get some big plays and put up those hard to score points. So I know you guys are out there usually anti-trick play, but I think you're going to see something from the Brown side. And I do expect to see something from the Jag side. And I wouldn't be surprised to see one of the two teams, if not both, try to gain an advantage through special teams. So something else to keep in mind, a fake punt, maybe keep that in mind. Just this feels like a week where you could have something in your bag where you haven't exposed any of those, but you really need this game. So we need an ace up our sleeve. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But that's what I got, Brad. Anything to add before we close out of here? No, I think I would 100% agree with your, you know, emphasis on whatever it takes, including trick plays or whatever that you need to create some sort of uh, a spark or some cheap points. Maybe this is all about just getting out of here with a W for both sides. Yeah, it's big for them. They need it. I mean, I, I, I talked about it again earlier this week. Like, it would have been a really nice situation for them to have actually beat, uh, you know, beat the Bengals because they could have relaxed a little bit in this one. But that that wasn't the case. So, you know, they're yeah. they're going to be really chasing this outcome in a big way. The Browns have to get up, get ready and, and, and be ready to meet the challenge. Even without Lawrence, they're going to be hungry in this one yeah. for, for sure, uh, no matter what way they go into it. So unique challenge for the Browns. Big challenge for the Jags traveling, maybe potentially being down your quarterback or at least only having a shell of himself. They're going to be trying to rally in the in the mold of nobody believes in us that we can't get this game done. So, again, Browns better be hungry and ready to go, man, for sure. Yeah. Uh, getting getting Ward back, I think, will make a huge difference if, if he indeed does play. He's going to play, right? He is playing. Yep, he's good to go. So Ward and Mitchell back are two big pieces to get back in your secondary. So the Browns are healthier in the secondary here from a from a need to play perspective type than what we have for the Jag side. So yep. uh, all, all good news on that front, which is which is again rare for this season. So we'll we'll yeah. see how they step up and and meet the challenge, man. I'm excited to see it. So that's a wrap for today's show. Enjoy your game day whenever you're finding this podcast, whether here on Saturday night or Sunday morning. Enjoy it. We'll be back uh, at the OBR for the 730 uh, game day rewind that we do. That'll be Brad, myself, and Andrew Spade, so check in for that. Otherwise, we always appreciate you making a part of this. Uh, you know, this this podcast, All Eyes on Cleveland, OBR Film Breakdown, a part of your pregame ritual. Thanks again, and go Browns.